morning. I'm excited for you to hear from the Pollocks, and I want to welcome to Spring Valley, and I hope that you would join me in welcoming Tim and Kelly Pollock to Spring Valley this morning. Thank you, Pastor Joe. Oh, wow. Sorry. We're going to bump into each other. Thank you, Pastor Joe. Thank you, Pastor Andrew and everyone here at Spring Valley. Uh, like Pastor Joe said, I'm Tim, and this is my wife, Kelly. And uh, we just graduated from college in December, uh, so that was an awesome thing that happened. And we survived Pastor David's classes, and uh, he didn't fail us. So thank you, Pastor David. And uh, we also got married in December, so we graduated on yes. December 16th. And we decided to get married on December 17th. Um, so <laughs> praise God crazy. that we... Yeah, a little crazy. Um, and we're just so excited to be here and share what God has been doing in our hearts. And uh, Kelly also um, has a very interesting connection to Indonesia. She actually grew up in Indonesia um, as a missionary kid. So our hearts, whether I wanted it or not, our hearts are completely focused on Indonesia and we're excited to share more about that with you. And, and Kelly wants to share more about her connection to Indonesia this morning. Yeah. Thanks, Tim. So I want to tell a little story before Tim gets into the deep stuff. <laughs> My story is a personal story that I grew up, you know, learning. But when I was growing up and about high school age, I started going to this ice lemon tea kiosk. Place. It's a lot, it's a mall, like probably as big as King of Prussia Mall. There's a little kiosk in there. And this kiosk is kind of like Annie Ann's. You know, there's like five of them in the King of Prussia Mall. But I always went to this one specific kiosk because of the lady who worked there. And her name's Maria. And every day I would go say hi to her and always gave her like 10 cents tip, you know, whatever I could. And I, I, when we were about to move, I wrote her a little letter and I gave her a little, you know, present and I said, please, would you come to my church? I'm sorry I'm moving, but I'd really love for you to come. And that's the best I could do when I was in high school. I didn't really know exactly what to do. But I, the next day, the day I was leaving for Indonesia, I, or leaving back to the United States, leaving Indonesia, I went back and got my last iced lemon tea. And if I could tell you how good this iced lemon tea was I probably couldn't explain it it's like it's a good. hot summer day and you just it's drink good. it it's just it just refreshes your soul but <laughs> I, I had to get my last glass and I came to her and she's like she gave me this little tiny card probably like the size of a little square and a present and she probably only makes like $150 a month and a lot of that is to support her family because she's not married, so she has to pay for her family and everything like that. And she gave me this mug, and it cost $5 because the little price was at the bottom. And I have it in our table in the back if you want to see it, but it says, I heart Surabaya. That's the city that we'll go to, and that's where I lived. And it's the most precious mug I have. And in her little card, she said, I'm sorry, I can't go to your church because I'm Muslim. And when I, when I read that card, I realized that she, she doesn't know. She doesn't know God. She doesn't know God's love. And so a couple years later, I try to meet up with her. Or we, we come back and we visit Indonesia and we went to a different mall. So there's a lot of malls in Indonesia. But we went to a different one and... Where it's, it's an empty mall. There's nothing. There, barely anybody ever goes there. 
but we're eating at a restaurant and I step out to go to the bathroom and all of a sudden, I, it, this is actually right when it happened, I, we met eyes and she's working in another kiosk three years later in a different mall, super empty, and I was like, Maria, like I ran over, how, like, I didn't know you were here, I, I tried to find you and I couldn't find you, and she's like, yeah, how could you remember me? Why do you remember me? And I said, Maria, I don't stop thinking about you. And even last month, I, I still dream about her. I still dream about talking with her, spending time with her. And Maria is just one representation of the Muslim women that I feel like God is calling me to reach and calling us, the Muslim people, that God is calling us to reach. Back when I was in college, I had a vision of a woman, and I was asking God, who do you want me to reach? Who do you want me to reach? And God showed me a woman who's at the end of her bed, who's on her knees and is praying, God, if you're really real, if you're really there, I need you. I need you. And God made me meet Maria again because he wants her. He wants her in her heart. And he's calling her, and we need to go. I have this, like, such deep burden. We need to go to, to meet people like Maria, to reach people like Maria, because she'll never know. She'll never know God's love if we don't go. So that's my story. Amen. <laughs> that's Amen. my heart. That's my God story. God is amazing. Thank yeah. you, Kelly. And, um, boy, yeah, let's, let's clap. Thanks, Kel. And uh, let's pray. Before, uh, before we continue, Father God, I just thank you so much for this morning. God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is with us and that you have invited us to be in your presence. God, we love you and, and we desire to be more like you. Lord, I just ask that you would come and be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to try not to cry because it's my wife. <laughs> so, uh, and I wish, you know, I wish I could say, oh, that's it. So I'll see you next week because that was awesome. Um, but this morning, I want to talk a little bit about what we've been talking about here at Spring Valley. And we've kind of been reviewing what Jesus has talked about in Matthew chapter 5. And we've been going through Matthew chapter 5, which is the coined Sermon on the Mount. And, and Jesus is actually kind of talking about what it means to be blessed. And so if you've been here over the, fa the past few weeks, we've been talking about the hashtag blessed series. And Jesus starts this Sermon on the Mount to kind of explain, hey, if, if these are describing you, these things are describing you, this is what it means to be truly blessed. And so he, he begins by saying, we're blessed when we're poor in spirit. And that's when we acknowledge that we deeply need God. We're blessed when we mourn our sin. We're blessed when we mourn, because when we mourn our sin, we know that it's grieving the heart of God. We're blessed when we're meek, and we talked about meek not meaning weak. Meek means that we've decided that we need to totally surrender to God. We're blessed when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And, and Pastor Joe explained it this way, that's a deep desire to do God's will, to be holy, and to be more like Him. And last week we heard from Pastor Andrew who talked about we're blessed if we're merciful. We're blessed when we're compassionate and forgiving even when others don't deserve us. And he had that awesome, massive hook prop thing that was perfect. And 
Essentially, Jesus begins this Sermon on the Mount, and he, he starts saying, you're blessed, and you're, you're truly blessed if you live these, this way. And it's almost kind of like a summary list of the law and the regulations that even the rulers of the religious law couldn't keep. And he says, this is what it means to truly be blessed. But the religious people of the day and, and the re religious rulers couldn't keep that. And that's because Jesus actually took this Sermon on the Mount, this, this hashtag blessed moment, and he was speaking directly to people's hearts. He was speaking directly to people's hearts. And, and there's something that I want to reveal this morning. It's impossible to live a truly blessed life without God's help. It's impossible to be truly blessed without God's help. But today I want to focus on one truth. God wants our hearts to match His heart. God wants our hearts to match His heart. And, and the truth that I want to focus on today is that to live a truly blessed life, God wants to transform our hearts. See, He wasn't coming in the Sermon on the Mountain, just giving, spitting off a bunch of rules. He was speaking directly, directly to the heart of those who were listening to him. And, and he wants our hearts to be transformed to his heart. Because when God transforms our hearts, we'll begin to desire to invest in his kingdom and not in things that are only temporary. So if our hearts are transformed and, and if God transforms our hearts, what will happen? And in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus continues this dialogue almost of, of the kingdom of God. And he gives a bunch of examples. And we're going to look at one of those examples today in Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 and 32. And, and the whole chapter, Jesus gives a bunch of examples, parables that are just stories that kind of explain something. And in one of these parables in chapter 13, verse 31, Jesus describes a mustard seed. And the verse says this. He told them a parable. The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field, though it is the smallest of all seeds. Yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants, and actually becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Now, Jesus was clearly using this example because at that time, the mustard seed was actually the smallest known seed to his, to his listeners and his disciples. And so using that, anybody who heard that example would have said, hmm, I understand he's, he's referencing something pretty insignificant. If I have a mustard seed, it's, it's really small. And in this way, Jesus uses the mustard seed to say, hey, whatever's insignificant to you, I'm going to take it and make it something incredible. I'm going to take it and transform it. You see, Jesus used things that was very ordinary to explain stuff that the disciples couldn't yet understand. He used the common things that they understood to reveal the supernatural. And these two verses, I, I just couldn't get away from them over the past month, and, and I really didn't understand why, but Jesus describes in these verses that what might seem insignificant in our lives, what might seem super small, what might not even seem like it's making a difference, God can take that and transform it and bring incredible growth. And this morning, God
God wants our hearts to match his. God wants us to live a truly blessed life. God wants us to be transformed to his heart. And when we look at the mustard seed and we look at the, the small things that we can invest in the kingdom of God, God can bring incredible growth. And so to kind of bring this parable to life, um, I want to share a story. And it's a story that's really dear to my heart. And, and this is a picture of two girls that Kelly and I have the pleasure of knowing. And we were kind of playing like babysitting role this day. We, we had to take these two girls who are the daughters of the pastor uh, we're going to be partnering with. Um, so these two girls are the our pastor's daughters in Surabaya. And um, we had to take them from the city of Surabaya to the city of Jakarta, which is the capital. And of course, like any nine-year-old and seven-year-old, they wanted to go to Starbucks. Um, yeah, I know. I didn't think they'd drink coffee that early. And so you can kind of see me in the background playing dad, and I'm like, hey, I'm at the counter paying for you. And then these girls don't have a, a care in the world. And um, we got to know these girls a little bit. I actually stayed in their home for a month um, with the pastor and his family while I interned there last summer. And um, Elia, the older of the two girls who's, who's got that lollipop, um, she's nine years old. And she currently attends a European international school. Now, in, in Indonesia, they have these international schools that basically offer an English curriculum, and they have um, teachers kind of from all over the world that help them learn that English curriculum. And so Elia goes to this European school, and her teacher is from England. Very nice guy, typical English accent, um, loves soccer, and uh, Elia just loves her teacher. And so every week... Elia would go to her teacher and say, please, hey, please come to my church. Hey, we have a Christmas program. And this, this was last Christmas. She would go every day to her teacher and say, please come to my church. We have a Christmas program. Who doesn't like Christmas? And the problem is this teacher is a hardcore atheist. He doesn't want to know the Lord at all. He's very aware that Elia's dad and mom are pastors of a larger church. And he just, you know, kind of says, no, no, I, I'm not going to go. It's not for me. And week after week, Elia kept asking her teacher, please come to church with me. At least come to our, our Christmas program. And eventually, like, I'm sure, I'm not a father yet, but I know that kids can be persistent. And so eventually to kind of like get her off his shoulder, he said, okay, fine. I'll come. I'll go. The other interesting thing is that he was currently living with his girlfriend who was a native to Surabaya and a practicing Muslim. And, and they were living together. They had met and uh, they were living in the city. So he's a staunch atheist and a practicing Muslim and they're living together. And little Elia just says, please come to our church for Christmas. And so... The boyfriend and the teacher kind of took his girlfriend with her, with him, and, and they went to church. And this is your typical Christmas program. There's elements of like holly jolly and, you know, there's probably like a two-minute sermon. That, and it's very festive. And when they walked into the sanctuary of the, of the church, instantly the, the Muslim girl said, I don't know why but something's different here. And within five minutes of the Christmas program, this Muslim girl starts sobbing. 
and weeping. And she can't stop for the whole service. And she keeps weeping and sobbing. And, and she turns to her boyfriend and says, why? Why am I weeping? Why am I sobbing? And so neither of them really understood what was going on, but she did know one thing, and she looked at her boyfriend and said, hey, I don't know why, but I have to come back here. Something's different. I have to be back here, and you have to come with me. Talk about evangelism. <laughs> so she drags her boyfriend, who's an atheist, back to church on a Sunday morning. And they walk into the sanctuary, and within the first few minutes of the worship set, the same thing happened. She's sitting there, and she starts weeping and sobbing and crying. And at the end of the service, she walks up to the pastor and says, Pastor, and by the way, she doesn't speak English very well, and the service is in English, so she goes up to the pastor in Indonesia and says, Why am I crying? Why am I weeping? And the pastor had the privilege at that moment to say, You're experiencing the presence of the Lord. You've entered the presence of God. And they, they provided her with a Bible, and she took that Bible home. And over the next few days, she began reading the Bible, and she ran back to church the next week and said, Pastor, I need to tell you something. All my life, every day since I was a little girl, I've gone to the mosque. I've gone to the mosque and I've gone through the ritual because I thought that I was seeking the true God. But now, in my hand, for the first time in my life, I can read the words of the one true God. It gets better. She goes home, and about a week later, they have a party. The church has a party at someone's home that has a pool, and she says, I need to be baptized. So in the presence of a lot of people in the church, she says, I need to be baptized because Jesus changed my life. Now, all the while, the boyfriend continued to say, I'm not buying it. I don't believe in the Lord. I don't want to believe in the Lord. And as he's watching his girlfriend be baptized, he turns to the pastor and says, I don't know why. I don't understand. But I can't escape this thing. And I know that the the one true God that she says, I know he's real. And I'm ready to accept the same thing. And he gave his life to the Lord that night, and he also committed his life to Christ by showing that he was following Christ by being baptized that night. These are the types of investments, and these are the kind of seeds that God wants us to invest in with our lives. You see, when God transforms our hearts to match his, he actually lines us up with his heart that says, you are now a part of what I'm doing. That's the truly blessed life. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is speaking directly to the hearts of the people. He's saying, I need to transform your heart. I need you to shift your focus from the things of this world to me. And we can't do that without him. We can't do that unless our hearts match God's heart. And, and that excites me. Whenever I hear a story about two people who are as far from the Lord as they could be. And they come to the Lord because a little girl 
decides to ask her teacher to come to a Christmas program. That's how God wants us to match our hearts with his this morning. That's why God wants our hearts to match his. And so there's one question left. How does this happen? We need to simply ask Jesus to transform our hearts. It really is God's desire for our hearts to be transformed. And he wants our hearts to reflect his passion. In the nation of Indonesia, there's roughly 219 million people who aren't Christians. The fourth largest nation in the world. 17,000 islands soon to be the third largest nation of the world and surpass America. 219 million people who aren't following the Lord, 167 million of them haven't even heard the name of Jesus. That's half of America. They, they don't even know that Jesus is an, is an idea. And Jesus wants our heart to reflect that passion he wants our heart to be focused on the hurting, the broken, and the lost. I have one more example of kind of what, what that shift means and what, how that can be a little scary because whenever we talk about investing our lives in something, there's always an element of trust. And if, uh, if you, know, you invest anything in life, you always want some kind of return. Or you don't want to just give without knowing that it's secure. And the best way to kind of explain what investing our lives in the kingdom of God is like is to talk about money. <laughs> we all love money. We all need money. Maybe you don't love it, but we all need it. And about a year ago, and I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. So you, can, you see me every week. So uh, from this point forward, as long as her dad doesn't hear this story, we're fine. So about a year ago... Um, I made the trek to Springfield, Missouri, which is about 18 hours from here. And we were on spring break. Kelly and I were on spring break. And I had this brilliant idea. Hey, let's go visit your family during spring break. Um, we don't have enough money to fly, so we got to drive there. And we can't stop along the way because we're not married. So <laughs> we're going to drive straight. And we get in this car and we're, we're driving for hours and hours and hours. And Kelly's Kelly thought, okay, we're going to go visit my parents. This is going to be awesome. And I'm driving, and I tried to be all manly about it and not take any breaks, which we didn't. And so 18 hours at the wheel, and I'm like, I can prove this girl that I can drive this car. And we're going. She's thinking that we're visiting her parents, but I was ready to ask the question. And I was like, I am going to look her dad in the face and say, can I marry your daughter? which is what I did. But anyway, so we're going down the road and we finally get there and I talk to her dad and things go well and everything's great and, and I feel like I'm a million bucks and I drove there without stopping and I got the approval of her dad and we're driving on the way home and that was in March. Then in April, I'm still in college. I have one more semester and it was almost as if the world threw me off a cliff. And I realized, oh no, how am I going to pay for a house? Oh no, how am I going to have a car? Oh no, 
how am I going to provide food for another human? Oh, no. <laughs> and I just thought, like, well, this stinks. I don't know what to do now. I thought I had everything planned. I had to make one big purchase that kind of set me back a little bit because that's involved when you get married. And I looked at my bank account, and I kid you not, I looked at my savings account in April, and I had two quarters. <laughs> I had 50 cents. Please, Mr. Hartensfeld, don't listen to this podcast. Everything has changed. And I had two quarters. Now, most of you have more than 50 cents in your car's cup holder than I had in my bank account. And Kelly didn't know this, so, you know, if you don't know, now you know. And I was looking at my life, and I'm like, Lord, I don't have a job. I haven't graduated college. I am engaged now, and I don't know what to do. And I started freaking out, and I searched for a job, and I tried to save as much money as I could. And, and as I was just thinking through everything, I remember distinctly, God looked at me one day, or spoke to me one day, rather, and said, Tim, whether it's the money that you need or the money that I'm asking you to invest in my kingdom, it's all mine. And I know God, I know God wasn't specifically talking about money. I, I realized that he doesn't need my money because I didn't have any. And he doesn't really need our money. But God wants our hearts. And God spoke directly to my heart that morning. And he said, look, this is your biggest care, but you need to realize something. It's all mine. You need to invest in me. I'll take care of everything else. How can, how can I possibly tra be transformed to think like that? And believe me, now that I'm married, it was like, the pendulum has swung the whole way and now I have to think about everything in life and the, the government and taxes and all these things. And God's not asking me to give money. God's not asking me to do something specific. He's directly pointed to my heart. God wants to transform my heart, but I can't do that. I need him to do that. And there's a verse in, in chapter five of second corinthians that paul kind of explains how we're able to have a transformed heart and in chapter five he explains that god is asking us and calling us to be less of this world and more of the kingdom of god and, and he talks about how through christ we're made a new creation and in verse 21 he says god made him Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus has the power to transform our hearts. God wants our hearts to match his heart, because his heart isn't focused on things of this world. It's focused on the broken, the hurting, and the lost. And when we talk about the hashtag blessed life, when we talk about what it means to be blessed, that's what it means to be blessed. Having the heart of God. Seeing God transform people's lives. Seeing God take something that's so insignificant that we can offer because it's really not about our money. It's really not about our stuff. 
all about our hearts. It's all about what God can do. And this morning, I just want to ask, how will we respond to that? How will we respond to God desiring to make our hearts match His? The first thing, I just want to encourage you and challenge you, live a life that invests in God's kingdom. God is after our hearts. He's after our hearts because He wants us to join Him in the process of saving people who don't know Him. We need to invest in His kingdom. What does that look like? Well, the first way we can invest in the kingdom of God is to pray. People all over the world are spreading the gospel. People right here in the Springford area are spreading the gospel. And we need to be on our knees praying that Jesus would work on our behalf, that he would continue to be with us, that his Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us. We need to pray. Secondly, we believe that God has specifically asked Kelly and I to, to go to Indonesia to continue spreading the gospel. But we believe that everybody, every single one of us is called to be a minister of the gospel. We believe that God has made us a priesthood, a holy priesthood. And Pastor Joe has talked about that, that we're all involved in this. And we all need to catch that heart of God because it's all of our responsibilities to share the gospel. But I believe that God has just asked me and Kelly to go from here to there to do the same thing. And if you feel like God is asking you to, to learn more about that and learn more about what we're doing, we would love to come and meet you and share what we're doing and, and part of our journey and the things that God has planned for us in Indonesia. And we'll be in the back after this service. We would love to partner with you in our journey. And lastly, and I don't want to skip this one, I know just as God asked me and Kelly to go somewhere, he's still asking people to go. And I'll just be honest with you. Indonesia has 280 million people. And like I said, it's going to pass America pretty soon. We have like 50 Assemblies of God world missionaries in Indonesia. That includes children, by the way. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I can handle 20 million. And that's just Indonesia. There are billions of people who don't even know Jesus exists. And just as I heard from the Lord, just as he began to do things in my heart and in Kelly's heart to go, He's continuing to call people to go. And if that's you this morning, or if he's just putting something in your heart, because I'll be honest with you, there were two things that I told the Lord I'd never do. The first one was children's ministry, and I was a children's pastor for a year and a half. Thank you, Lord. The second thing was be a missionary. I, I always wanted to be a pastor. I love people. I love church. But I did not want to go overseas but I know that Jesus is still calling people because we need him. We need people to invest in the harvest. So this morning, corporately together, I wanna, I wanna sing a song together that simply says, Lord, I give you my heart. 
This morning we talked about God matching our hearts with his heart. And it's my prayer that our hearts would be transformed into the heart of God. Let's sing that this morning.